0: Welcome to Family Business Today, where we feature prominent local and national family business owners. We also talk to top family business experts to discuss relevant topics, including communications, business culture, family relationships, succession and estate planning, values, as well as conflict resolution. Brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business, I'm your host, Greg Lewis. Our guest today is Travis Harms. Travis is Senior Vice President at Mercer Capital, located in Memphis, Tennessee, where he leads Mercer Capital's Family Business Advisory Service Group. Travis's practice focuses on providing financial education, valuation, and other strategic financial consulting to multi-generation family businesses. He is a frequent speaker on valuation and related topics to audiences of business owners, financial executives auditors, and valuation specialists at professional conferences and other events across the United States. Travis is the author of the book, 12 Questions that Keep Family Business Directors Awake at Night, and co-author of Business Valuation and Integrated Theory, second edition with Christopher Mercer. Hello, Travis. I am so excited that you could join us today on this edition of Family Business Today. Hello, Greg. Thanks for having me. Well, we're great to have you. It's great to, you know, I have a lot of family uh, businesses that we work with are always talking about this. How much is my uh, business uh, worth and uh, how do we go about uh, getting a valuation? So, uh, so I hope that after we've had this uh, conversation today that uh, uh, we will have been able to whet their appetites and also been able to answer some of their questions. So, So let's jump right in. And a great place to start is to start at the beginning. So tell tell us, what is a business valuation and why is it beneficial to business owners and prospective buyers alike?
1: You know, a, a valuation is really just an independent opinion of value for your business that's prepared by an experienced professional. So someone who's done this before, who has the training and the expertise to give an independent and a quality uh, opinion regarding the value of your business as far as why it's important you know if the family business is for most families that's the largest asset they own mm-hmm. and you can't make good investment decisions about your business if you don't know what it's worth sure you know sure. I, the, the example i use a lot of times is no one would tolerate a a stockbroker or a wealth manager who refused to tell them what their portfolio was worth
0: hmm because mm-hmm. you
1: can't make decisions without that knowledge. So your family business is really no different.
0: Okay, so so I, I get that, but so tell me though. But I'm a business owner. And I'm saying, you know, Travis, I'm planning on just transitioning my business to my children, or maybe even to a group of key employees or close to me. So so in that case, why do I still need to have a business valuation? Yeah.
1: So that's a great question, Greg, and and sometimes. Transfers are uh, at arm's length, and sometimes transfers are are kind of friendly. And and the the circumstances you've described there, I'd, I'd classify as a friendly transfer. But even in friendly transfer, there's going to be some value attached to it. And if you don't have a good grasp on what the value of your business is, that value in your transfer is either going to be too low, too high, or... Just by coincidence, it might be right. So let's think about it. If it's too high, then what you're really doing is burdening your children or burdening your employees that you're transferring the business to, and that's going to you know, be a, a hard uh, load for them to carry as they take over the business from you. On the other hand, you, know, you may say, well, I, I don't want to overcharge them. I want to undercharge them. And that's fine. That's totally a, 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 your decision to make. But I think what folks need to keep in mind is that through operating your business, you have created this wealth. And that wealth is going to go somewhere. So do you want it to be transferred to the next generation? And if you do, that's fine. But you need to be aware of what you're doing. Or. Do you have other causes, other charitable endeavors that are meaningful to you that you want to be beneficiaries of the wealth you've created? And apart from having a valuation, you really don't know what's going on when you have these friendly transfers.
0: So uh, the, uh, the 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 day of a uh, horse trading of saying, "How much do you want for your for your business?" All I want, uh, ten million dollars, is really. Uh, over with uh, because even if a a, let's say a family uh, member uh, wants to to buy the business or even partially gift the business to them they're they're going to have to have a funding vehicle somehow or other probably to fund that um, unless the the owner is going to self-fund it Uh, so the, the even whoever they're going to work for the collateralization of that a transaction, they're going to be expecting some kind of outside transaction at, at, at valuation as well. Is that correct? That's exactly right. Okay. all right. So so what are some other situations other than just a business transition that a business owner should have a business transition, a, tr- a business valuation?
1: Yeah, you know, I think they're, having a valuation can be a great planning and communication tool for your family shareholders. Uh, You know, the the discipline of the annual valuation process and then the communication of that valuation to your family shareholders, that's a great way to to kind of bring to the surface some of the key risk factors, the growth opportunities, or the competitive threats that are facing your business. You know, it's funny, all, all the other investors in the world get to know what their investments are worth and they get to hear regularly from management telling them about the prospects and the performance of the business, and yet a lot of times we don't believe family shareholders should have that same right. And yeah. so evaluation process can be a great way of helping your family shareholders plan their own financial lives in, a, in an efficient and informed manner, and it also is, is a great way to promote positive shareholder engagement within your family. Yeah.
0: I, I couldn't help but uh, laugh a little bit uh, when you were, were saying that because uh, so many families that I I, I, I talk to is, is they don't really have communications, uh, whether it be a family board or family council or whatever, and really don't communicate uh, a business evaluation or uh even their financial statements or, or, or whatever. Um, so we could do an entire, uh, another uh, podcast on that subject as well. So thanks, thanks for sharing that. So it is important uh, that a, a business owner, um, oh, when they have a valuation that they should communicate that to all the members of their family, whether they're in, involved in the business or even if they're not involved, involved in the business uh, so that they can, that helps them also to make their own financial decisions as well. Great answer. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. So um, uh, there's more than one way to, to value a business. So what are the different me- methods in which the value of a business is calculated?
1: Sure. You know, I, I would say it this way. There, there are lots of different methods to value the business, but inevitably those methods kind of fall under one of three different approaches. An evaluation approach is really just a question that you're asking about the value. So, so the first approach is the asset approach, and and the question there is, what is the collection of assets owned by the family business, mm-hmm. you know, net of its liabilities? What are those assets worth? And that's a great question to ask, but it is there's a there's an inherent limitation there because that approach really assumes that your family business is nothing more than a collection of assets and for a lot of operating businesses we know that's not true there are a lot of intangible assets that contribute to the value of the company beyond just the brick and mortar or tangible assets so the asset approach is a a method but it's it's one that we don't rely on as much for operating businesses the other two approaches Uh, really get to the heart of what most family businesses are worth. And so the other approach is the income approach. The question we're asking there is, what's the value today of the expected future income to be generated by the business? You know, I think a lot of times people assume that valuation is a matter of focusing on what the business has done, but it's really more important about what the business is going to do. I say we want to look through the windshield, we don't want to look in the rearview mirror. So the income approach is looking at the future and saying what income can I expect this business to generate and what's the value of that income stream today? The third approach is the market approach. And the question we're asking in the market approach is what do similar companies or similar assets sell for? People are, you can usually identify with this approach if you've ever had a home appraisal done, if you've had your house appraised. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. that the appraisal report, they, they go around and look for houses that look like yours, in neighborhoods like yours, with amenities like yours, and find out how much those houses have sold for recently, and that gives them an indication of what your house might be worth. And really, that's the same process we go through as business appraisers. We look for companies... Whether they be public or private, that bear some resemblance to your family business, and we try to find data around what those companies have sold for, observable arms-length transactions, and use that data to help us identify what the value
0: of your family business mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Great. So there's three three different ways. There's the asset uh, income approach and the market approach. Uh, so. Let's go back to that income approach for just one second. So let's let's say a, a business owner uh, wants to sell uh, his business to his son or daughter or to multiple of, of children. So he wants to create a buy sell agreement, and for the, the children or and it could be employees too, to uh, be able to purchase the company based on future income over, let's say, the next. Ten years, uh, so uh, I- expand on that just a little bit. When, we, when you talk about the valuation, we're we talking about the value of the company uh, today. When you when the the buy sell agreement uh, goes into effect, or are we talking about the value of the company in let's say ten years when when the the, the, the uh, it's com- the uh, buy sell has been completed?
1: Yeah. So. That's a great question, Greg. So with a buy-sell agreement, that's in general, that's an agreement that we enter into today that will govern how a transaction will occur at some point in the future upon Mm -hmm. some triggering event. Mm -hmm. So the income approach can be applicable in in either of those cases. Mm -hmm. The, The income can tell me the value of the business today, Based on my expectations for what the performance of the business is going to be from today on. And that same approach can be applicable if the buy sell agreement gets triggered five years from now, 10 years from now. That same at income approach can be used, but from that point, we'll be looking at, we won't look back at what the business has done, but we'll be looking forward from that time mm-hmm. to say, okay, now we are. Ten years from now, what are our expectations going forward from today?
0: Okay, very good. Yeah, I think I, I think that is something that's often confused when families are talking about buy sell agreements. What what value do we do we do it on? So thanks for that clarification. So let's talk about that value of your business again. Um, um, uh, you know there's there's really three ways that you can sell your business you can transition it uh, to your to your children um or or to other members of your family uh you can do ESOP uh to uh uh, to key employees or to all your employees or a third one is uh really to a third party party sale or there's really a fourth one dying in the seat but i never recommend that one to, to people but um so why are there different values based on the reason uh, for the transition that you're planning for? Why is that? Yeah.
1: I, you know, of all the questions that the clients and, and prospects ask us, I think the one that frustrates them more than any other response I can give them is, is this. that They ask, well, what is my business worth? And my answer is, well, it depends. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is uh, automatically frustrating to them, and, and, and I know it is, but, but there are reasons why that's the case. Um, you know, we, I like to think of it kind of this way. First, we can ask that question in this way. What is our family business worth to our family? So that's going to take into account how sure. the business is currently structured and how we're expected to continue operating it as a going concern under our family stewardship, et cetera, et cetera. What's the value of the family business to the family as a whole? And that's an important question to ask for corporate planning purposes as well as for you know personal wealth planning for
0: your family members. I think a the second
1: deal- way to yeah. ask, Go ahead, Greg.
0: No, I was just saying the key word there is to the family as a whole, not necessarily to the the, the c- current family business owner or the head of the family, but to the family business as a whole. I think that's key. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: So the second question, the second way we can ask the question about value is this. What is your family business worth to a strategic buyer? So a strategic buyer might be, It might be a competitor, it might be a supplier, it might be a customer. It's someone who can combine or integrate your family business with their existing operations. And they're doing that really with an eye toward gaining some sort of strategic benefit. People talk about the $5 word here is synergy, Mm -hmm. the whole idea that plus 2 can equal Mm -hmm. 5 in a combination. So because of that, a strategic buyer might be willing to pay more than what the family business is worth to the family because the family is just going to continue operating it as it, as it is. Mm-hmm. The strategic buyer might be able to make changes to the business such that it's worth more to them than it is to you. Now, of course, this is the number that your family shareholders we'll hear about it at a cocktail party <laughs> and we'll, yeah. for the board. Uh, you know, my neighbor just sold his business for 12 times EBITDA. Right. That what we're, and so, so you've got to be really careful to understand that when we're thinking about strategic transactions, those prices are a function of very specific benefits between that buyer and that seller. And you only get that price when the family business ceases to be a family business. So that's not the ongoing value of the business to the family. Mm -hmm. That is the value of the business to a strategic buyer. When we decide, you know, we're done, we don't want to be a family business anymore.
0: Okay. All right. Very good. So, so if a business owner is talking about selling his business, um, uh, from a value value standpoint, is the, if he's interested in getting the maximum value for his business, then he really sh- uh, should be looking at a some kind of third party trans- uh, transaction. Uh, if it's if it's okay, uh, the value these the value is getting less by transitioning it to his family or even through to a key employees, uh, he needs to understand that he will he will uh, probably receive a lesser value for the business uh, in the transaction. Okay, very good. Thank you. That's right.
1: And, And, Greg, you know, in those strategic transactions, one thing you need to understand is that one reason the buyer might pay you more is that they intend to lay off some of your workforce Uh, they may well intend to drop your family name from the business. Right. So there are non-financial consequences of getting that maximum price that the family needs to understand and decide whether that's the kind of transaction they want to engage in or not.
0: Sure. So we find in a lot of family businesses that a lot of family members serve in administrative roles in, in the business. And so as... Uh, in that sale transaction to a third party, there's always a way way uh, companies are looking at shrinking that administrative cost and part of that co- cost of the sale may be the loss of jobs for members of your family who are working in those administrative roles. So, okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, that's, we're talking about transactions, but you know, uh, I, I meet often uh, daughters, sons, spouses, um, who who the owner has died suddenly, been killed in a car wreck, a plane crash or whatever, or even maybe a, a, a partnership that's gone on for quite a while and uh, there's a partnership dissolution going on. and you know, there's lots of pain and, and it's it's sudden, it's tragic or whatever. W- what about the role of a uh, valuation in these kinds of events?
1: Yeah, so um, in, in those unfortunate circumstances that, that you've described, um, you know, the valuation is, is a key component of uh, administering the estate. So, um, and, and a lot of, a lot of families, uh, while, while no one likes to think about their, their ultimate demise, um, a lot of families do a good job of planning ahead of time for that. So, and and a, lot, a, a, a common planning technique is to transfer minority shares down to the family members uh, while the, the older generation is still living. There, there, there are some real tax benefits to doing that. And for those valuation purposes, um, we need to ask really a different question, and that is this. What is a single share of our family business worth? So, you know, the, the transaction scenarios we've been describing earlier assume that everybody is selling their shares. The company as a whole is being transferred, whether that's internally or externally. Mm-hmm. But as, as a lot of family shareholders know, and, and they know this far too well, in the real world, um, that's not the case. Uh, being a minority shareholder in a family business means that you are effectively stuck for a potentially long period of time. So holding a share of stock that you can't sell is a very different proposition from holding a share of stock in a publicly traded company that mm-hmm. you can Call your broker and then get cash in in a couple days. So when we when we're looking at that question, what's the value of an individual share in the company worth? Well, then we need to think about some different aspects of that. There are really four factors there. You know, one: how long will I need to hold these shares? Am I stuck for one year, five years, ten years, even longer? How, how long? Uh, will my period of, of illiquidity be? Second, you know, what dividends can I expect to receive while I'm waiting? You know, it's one thing to be stuck. It's another thing to be stuck without any cash flow. So a lot of family businesses do pay dividends. And mm-hmm. those dividends, you know, really are help to offset the pain of illiquidity. Mm-hmm. Then you've got to think about well, what will my shares be worth when I do eventually get to sell them in the future and And then the fourth thing is what risks am I bearing over this potentially lengthy holding period so those Those are four questions that are kind of unique to thinking mm-hmm. about what's the value of a share in my business mm-hmm. and that's the fair market value for a lot of estate planning exercises mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and gifting over oh, good. Yeah, and the other part of it too is uh, in uh, many uh, uh, small businesses, uh, uh, the owner who, if if they're especially if they're the founder or whatever, may be a big part of the value of the business. And so, when you have one of those events, uh, you you need to have your prop. Put in your plan put in place prior to that because the value of business uh can go down dramatically with the loss of that person by by death let's say so you mentioned again three three uh three type methods asset income and market approach so uh, is it important that the appraiser understands the reason for the report and why is that
1: yeah it it really is um you know, probably the one of the most important parts of the appraisal process is getting and establishing a clear definition of what it is we're valuing, the scope of the valuation, what are we going to do, and then what is the report going to be used for? You know, I think about what Yogi Berra reportedly said. He said, if you don't know where you're going, you might end up someplace else. And <laughs> You don't want that to be the description of your appraisal process. So it's really important that your appraiser understands up front why the appraisal is being done. As we've talked about, your family business has more than one value, and you need to know which of those values is appropriate for this appraisal.
0: Okay, all right so we've made a decision to 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 do an appraisal uh evaluation with an appraiser Uh, we've decided on uh uh, we decided on which type of valuation we're going to do and the purpose of what we're going to do it so we have all that done so now as a family business what items should we make available uh, to the appraiser uh, to make a good business valuation?
1: So your appraiser should provide you with a list of, of the documents that they want to see, and, and that list will you know, usually revolve around a few key things. The first will be some basic financial information, historical financial statements, budgets, projections. Um, this can be as simple as, you know, the last few years' tax returns or audits, or depending on how complex your business is, it might require that you provide, you know, information at the divisional or segment or operating Mm -hmm. level. Mm -hmm. Then we're also going to ask for, you know, some basic corporate documents. I want to see the articles of incorporation. If you've got a shareholder agreement or buy-sell provisions, we need to know how those work. Okay. Probably also going to ask for data about your customer base. What sort of concentrations do you have? What sort of turnover? What sort of churn are you experiencing in your customer base? I want to know some information about the history of your family business. When was it founded? What have been some key milestones, some transformative events throughout its history? I want to understand, I want to get a, an org chart, get some data on personnel. And that will, and this is, this can be a sensitive issue sometimes. Mm-hmm. But it's to get a to get a good valuation, it really matters. Uh, that will include some compensation data for for key employees. Um, we'll want data on any transactions that have occurred in the shares recently, or any offers that that bona fide offers that people have made for your business. Um, We'll want to know about industry conditions. You know, we'll we'll do our own research, but any data that you have um, can just help us in that and and make the process more efficient. And some companies have public companies that they look to to, for benchmarking or or other comparative purposes. We want to know who those companies are. But throughout this, I I think beyond just the specific information requested, I think it's important to know that the best practice is to collect and analyze that information before we have our due diligence interview. Mm-hmm. That really frees up that inf- that interview to be about the why questions and not just the what questions. Mm-hmm. It's much more efficient for me to read and analyze information ahead of time, and then, then we'll have a much more productive interview. An interview, and I'll be able to actually learn more about why your business is the way it is and mm. what makes your business valuable. Mm.
0: Well, so wow, you just you just you said a lot of things there that uh, documents and information that that you need before evaluation can do that. Uh, I, I know, in talking to uh, a, a lot of family businesses, some of those things you may not. They may not have right at hand uh, for them there. So how long does a uh, does evaluation take to get all that information you know, together and then for you to, to do the valuation?
1: Right. Greg, you, you mentioned a great, uh, maybe great observation there that sometimes, you know, a family business, especially a smaller one, may not have all this information ready at hand. And I would say that, in those cases a lot of times they don't have the information because for whatever reason the information is just not relevant to their business so you know we we would try to work and, and your appraiser should try to work with you um, to make sure that they're asking for truly relevant information you know we we, we, we are not dogmatic about well, we need this um, a, a good test is if you can run the business successfully without it, then I probably don't need it to value your business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. so that's, a, that's a good and legitimate concern that a lot of clients have ahead of time. But, again, I, th- I think the, the key takeaway there is this data collection is, does not need to be as painful as it, as it might
0: sound. I see. I see. So that's this you know, mm-hmm. Go ahead.
1: Well, I was just going to say you'd asked about the, the time period. Um, you know, in the ordinary course of business, we would submit a, a request to clients. They're often able to respond to that within, you know, a week or two. And then from that point on, you know, it's probably a in in total you're looking at a 6 to 8 week process, I would say. Okay. All right.
0: And then that's that's that's, reason, that's reasonable. And of course, obviously, uh, the longer it takes to get some of those documents together for you, uh, the, the longer it will take to complete, to complete the, uh, the valuation. So um, so we, you talked about uh, prior financial statements, annual reports, whatever. How many years back do you do you normally go uh, bef- before you start looking forward?
1: We'll typically look back five years. Five years, okay. There's nothing magic about that
0: number, but that's mm-hmm. that's our okay usual process. Okay. So, um, so when do you need a full scale valuation, and, and when do you not? Or are there so, are such a thing?
1: Yeah, there, there are. That's a great question. There valuation work kind of comes in two flavors. Um, at the more informal end of things is what we would refer to as calculations. And, uh, you know, those are really appropriate for a lot of family planning and family communication purposes um, where it's not necessarily going to go in front of, the, of a judge or something like that. Okay. Um, at the other end would be the full appraisal report or valuation engagement where we would be operating under more stringent professional standards file documentation reporting requirements etc and um, those full appraisal reports are required for gift and the state tax planning mm-hmm. for ESOPs for litigation you know, any, any sort of regulatory purpose will usually require a full report
0: okay All right. So uh, we always talk about transition planning as a process and not an event uh, and that uh, 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 families, uh, businesses should take three to five years prior to when that event uh, to start the transition planning process. But uh, so how often should you have a business valuation done. Uh, obviously, if you're talking about transitioning to your family or knowing the value of your business today so that you can set goals for where you want it to be in say five years to, to be able to sell it to meet the goals that you have, you would want to have a uh, valuation done at that point in time, let's just say five years. Then after that, how often should you have a business valuation done annually, every two years, twice over five years what's your what's your thoughts on that
1: yeah you know there's there's certainly no kind of one size fits all uh answer there you know i I think it's interesting to note that public companies get valued every day and (laughs) uh we, we know from from watching cnbc those values you know, can change pretty markedly from day to day. I I wouldn't begin to suggest that that that's necessary for your family business. But the the point there is that the value of your family business won't change on any sort of preset schedule. Um, The value is going to change based on the performance of your business and what's happening in the market. Mm -hmm. So that said, um, for most businesses, I think an annual appraisal is is probably – fits it about right. That leaves enough time for things to actually change in a meaningful way, but it's not too long such that the value gets stayed. Um for, for larger clients, those that kind of look and feel a bit more like a public company, you know, sometimes they'll get valued two or, or four times a year. Um, and at the smaller end, if you're a small family business and, and the world for you moves kind of slowly. Every couple of years will probably suffice.
0: Okay. All right. Well, well, thank you for, thank you for, for sharing that. Well, this next question, uh, and I, I go back uh, to uh, the the pricing the pricing of your business there. I, uh, we raise um, uh, horses, horses, and show horses, and uh, uh, people would always ask me. Uh, so, so Greg, uh, how do I know how much a horse uh is worth to buy so well it depends how much is the, is the buyer willing to pay for it in some sense we're but uh, so uh always people ask well okay you've told me all this great great stuff about business valuations and everything else so what does it cost? So my question to you is, is what's the range of cost for, for a, a family business to have a business valuation? And I know the answer is it depends, so uh, it depends on what? Yeah,
1: so it, it, it depends on size and complexity. But, you know, as a ballpark range, I would say at the lower end for a, for a relatively simple, small business, you're probably looking at something on the order of $7,500. And at the higher end for complicated, large, multi-segment, you know, really big, complicated businesses, it can be $50,000 or even higher. Okay. But I know that's a wide range, but sure. But that would, that would give
0: some sense for what this cost. Okay. So uh, I have a family business and I said, okay, I, I, I need to get a valuation. But, you know, I don't, I don't know appraisers. They're not like someone that I call on all the time. So before I contract with an appraiser uh, for a business evaluation, what questions should I ask them?
1: I think there are, there are a handful of questions that you should always use to kind of screen uh, appraisers that you're talking to. One one would be, you know, how long have you been doing this? Uh, there is... People like to say there's an art and a science to it. Uh, the science you can pick up, you know, in a in six months or a year. The art accumulates over time, and there's no substitute for experience. So, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd want to know how long they've been doing this. Okay. Um, second, you know, I'd be curious to know: Have you ever valued a business like this? Mm-hmm. And that that can be. I think sometimes you can take that question too far. Um, if you're in a very unique, narrow niche, um, there's a likelihood that they've never valued a business like yours. But, you know, if you, if you step back to kind of broader, uh, at a broader level, you know, have you valued service businesses before? Have you valued manufacturing businesses before? Have you valued distribution businesses before? Those kinds of questions can help you understand if the appraiser has the experience that's relevant to your business. Another thing, and this is really important, I would say, what professional certifications do you hold? Um, There are no licensure requirements, but there are a handful of professional organizations that uh, are really where you're going to get a reputable appraiser. So you want to find someone who is a member of either the AICPA or the ASA, um, the American Society of Appraisers, someone who is... Uh, subject to a set of professional standards and is subject to continuing education requirements and kind of a defined body of knowledge.
0: Okay, thank so you. To
1: that end, you know, I, I, no, go ahead.
0: No, no, that's, fine. that's, that's good information. It's good information for, for, for someone who's, who's looking at multiple uh, appraisers uh, to do evaluation. So, so, thank you very much for that. Well, we're sort of coming to the end of our, uh, of our, our time today. Boy, so what a, some great information for anyone who's thinking about uh, some type of a transition in the next three to five years, and that evaluation is an important tool for them uh, to begin uh, the journey towards uh, uh, a transition process. Uh, and a key part of it is, you need to know the real value of your business and and really other than than just the horse horse trader uh valuation is is really having a third party to come in and to help you in developing that valuation and then to 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 do it on reasonable lengths of time towards whatever that end goal is whether it's three years five years or whatever uh to to a transition out of your business so So thank you for sharing it. Is there anything else uh, that you'd like to add today, uh, uh, Travis?
1: Well, Greg, I've I've really enjoyed our conversation. You know, I'd just uh, like to point out that, you know, we provide these sorts of advisory services uh, to clients and family businesses every day. And, you know, personally speaking, what I really enjoy most about working with family businesses is helping them educate and uh, connect with, their family shareholders I think too far too often family shareholders are perceived as a burden or a distraction and that just leads to strife down the road and so what I view our job is as um, helping management helping the board helping the family shareholders all get together on the same page with regard to some of these key financial issues valuation being one of them so that they can move forward in a unified way for the sustained success of their families.
0: Our guest today has been Travis Harms, a senior vice president at Mercer Capital located in Memphis, Tennessee. Travis, thank you so much for being our guest on Family Business Today.
1: Thanks, Greg. I've really enjoyed it.
0: To learn more about business valuations and Mercer Capital's family business advisory services, Visit their website at www.mercercapital.com. You can purchase Travis's book, The Twelve Questions That Keep Family Business Directors Awake at Night, at your local bookstore or online at Amazon. To our listeners, thank you for joining us for the Family Business Today podcast. Brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business, located in Nashville, Tennessee. Our passion is to help families deal with the unique challenges of working together in a family business and planning for a successful transition to learn more about the tennessee center family business visit our website at www.tncfb.com Till next time thanks for joining us